Up next, Biz 503, the Portland-centric podcast for startups and small businesses. We believe it, we live it, and there's something about Brand Portland that has taken a meteoric rise in our world. Welcome to Biz 503, the Portland startup and small business podcast from Portland Radio Project. I'm Mike Rogaway, business writer for The Oregonian. Perhaps you've noticed it's wintertime, but while we've had some very cold days in the valley, that doesn't necessarily translate to good skiing up on Mount Hood. In fact, the weather's been pretty dreadful for so far for winter sports. Rainy, icy, not exactly drifts of fresh powder up there. So we wanted to get a sense of how the winter recreation industry is faring. And to do that, we have two guests in the studio, managers at local outdoor shops, Guy Trombley of Mountain Shop and Ryan Slagle of Next Adventure, both here in Portland. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Before we get to the big questions, I wanted to ask each of you about the shops you run. Uh, Ryan, could we start with you? Tell us a little bit about your business. Sure. Yeah, I'm the winter sports manager at Next Adventure in Portland. Uh, it's our 20-year anniversary. We specialize in outdoor specialty retail, skiing, snowboarding, cross-country, backcountry skiing, snowshoe, dabble a little bit of everything, and uh, rentals as well. And where are you located? We're at the corner Stark and Grand on the central east side. We Excellent. also have a location in uh, Sandy, just opened this winter, and we also have our paddle sports center just around the corner. Terrific. And Guy, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, I'm the general manager of the Mountain Shop, and I took over there the business about eight years ago. And it's been an interesting experience working at the oldest uh, skiing, mountaineering, climbing shop on the continent. Uh, we are 80 years old this year. And we started in 1937, right kind of in the golden era of the development of Mount Hood and that part of the outdoor recreation economy. Um, our shop services uh, skiers, uh, climbers, um, mountaineers, bikers, kind of adventure folks and backpackers. Excellent, excellent. Maybe we just start with the question at hand. How's the season been? It's been uh, interesting. We had a nice strong start and uh, We've seen kind of some fluctuations in the weather up on Mount Hood. A lot of excitement coming off of last year's strong winter. So early season excitement was definitely there. And we're still seeing definitely some strength in our rentals. And uh, a lot of people still going up. A lot of our employees are still out there getting after it. I think when we look at the, the core of the outdoor market that sort of shows up for the real outdoor experience, not a lot slows them down. So they're always kind of active no matter what's going on. And uh, interestingly, we had kind of a weather inversion where high on the mountain, it was warm and low, it was colder. So Nordic skiing has actually been great since before Thanksgiving. So we had a very early opener this year and there's been skiable groom snow at, at Teacup Lake uh, Nordic Club as well as Mount Hood Meadows. So um, that part's been fun. And to be honest, sales in those departments have been very, very strong as well as rentals. Um, but things have slowed down a little bit in the Alpine category. and. You know, trying to get an idea of what's skiable snow and what's not, and what the what weather inspires people to get out in the outdoors is uh, something we're waiting for. Tell me a little bit about how much variation there is in your business from year to year. Do you feel a lot from one year to the next based on the weather, or does it even out for reasons like you're discussing? You, the, the inversion, maybe it's bad in in one area but good in another. I think the first thing I would respond to is like there is a really interesting correlation between. Um, what available activities there are and what people do. So like if it's not snowing, people are biking. And we have all kinds of bikes that we rent uh, for mountain biking and touring and snow biking. So 
depending on what you know is the live activity, people are out doing it. We were just talking about customers going out ice climbing because there's been a lot of ice up high, and uh, mm. that's a little more rare here in Oregon than it is in other states. So people do get out and do what they need to do, but it does affect the business dramatically, especially in the, the categories of uh, looking at alpine skiing, which is a crowd that really requires a, a certain sort of sense of powder and perception of what snow is about and that love for skiing on soft stuff. Is that the largest part of the market? In my mind, it's the popular conception, you know, the downhill skier and, and the big ski slopes. Our shop is really mixed. I mean, because we, we reach all the way across every type of skiing at every elevation. So if whether you're Nordic skiing down on low backcountry or groomed areas, or if you're climbing to the top of Mount Hood and skiing off the top of it. So basically it's winter every year, every month of the year, you just have to kind of Pick seek it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, I, uh, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing this year. I'm, I'm guessing that you'd have preferred to open the store in Sandy last year when the season was so robust. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if whether we're on our side, we'd, we'd definitely be seeing a lot uh, bigger excitement out there. We're definitely seeing a lot of business going out there. So still a pretty small shop. So our capacity, our limitations are really space right now. Uh, our retail business at the Sandy store has actually been pretty surprising, really, really good early on. And our rentals are going really well. So it's a sign, as Guy touched on, that people are still going up. I think a really important thing to look at is the definition of winter sports is being changed, I think, by the year. And one of the things we see is a huge increase in winter camping that wasn't necessarily there in years past. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and it, you can look around and see some of the clues. I mean, there's people driving around in sprinter vans that are fully outfitted and rooftop tents on tons of different vehicles and these people, in my opinion, are a lot of them are new to winter sports camping and they're looking for activities to support their other interests. And so we're seeing all you go to Mount Hood Meadows on a busy weekend and their overnight parking is full of campers and sprinter vans. And all these people are are now looking for activities to support their other hobbies. Do you think that's just fashions are, are changing? People are discovering new things they can do, new things that people are interested in, or are people responding to the seasons or maybe even broader changes in climate? I think you're dead on. I think that uh, to some extent, it could be a, a flash in the pan, much like the van craze of the 70s was. Hopefully this time we'll have less shag carpet <laughs> and uh, <laughs> circular beds. But uh, I think we're still going to see a lot of people, I think the demographics of, of age groups getting into that lifestyle are doing so because they're finding a different vacation. They're looking for a different experience than maybe generations past. So there's people looking to do the staycation or stay, you know, in our local Mount Hood region or anywhere in the Mount Hood National Forest. There's ample activities, whether it's biking, hiking. These are all year-round activities for Oregonians. And I, I imagine you say it's year-round activities for Oregonians. I, I imagine that it's sort of a self-selecting group. People who are in, or in Oregon are here for a reason, and they want to take advantage of these things. Yeah, you're dead on. And a lot of people are moving here from California and other states, and I think they they bring their conceptions of what it's like to be outdoors as well. So. The rise of glamping is also uh, an interesting phenomenon. The combination between uh, glamour camping, I guess, is what uh, it refers to. And it's really great to see campgrounds completely packed, but it's also a lot of pressure on, on our, our parks and recreation uh, services for our state when we look at how do we uh, create more opportunity and access for people when the population is growing and their fever for getting outside and being in great places is, is really, really driving them. No, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, things are, are obviously changing in Oregon. Let, let me ask, maybe we'll pick this up again after the segment has changed, but, you know, the weather comes and goes, the economy comes and goes too. We have a, an unusually strong economy in Oregon right now. 
Are you guys feeling that? Are people doing more things, more expensive things? Ryan and I were just talking a couple of minutes ago about the challenge of when the, the unemployment rate goes low, for example, the challenge of actually finding seasonal staff to come in that are qualified, skilled, passionate, and excited about the outdoors. Um, a lot of these are very aspirational people. So they're looking for the next great opportunity. And a lot of them are stepping into um, different types of jobs. So it's been harder to find good people, although they're there. Um, and it uh, definitely is affecting our business in that manner. Wouldn't you say, Ryan? Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, we are uniquely positioned, both Next Adventure and The Mountain Shop. We attract people who really like to do the activities we support. And we are often the avenue for them to find employment in that world. But it also, it's a catch-22. We have people that want to go do really fun stuff in their off-season. So it's it's inevitably somewhat seasonal. And uh, yeah, given the outdoor industry strength in Oregon, there's a lot of people here, a lot of people currently in jobs. It's definitely poses some challenges. That's interesting. Those are things I hadn't thought about. Let's take a quick break and we'll pick up there in just a moment. Support for Biz 503 comes from acreative.agency, specializing in marketing, automation, and web development. For more, go to acreative.agency. All right, welcome back to Biz 503. We're here talking about the state of the winter recreation industry in Oregon with Guy Trombley of Mountain Shop and Ryan Slagle of Next Adventure, shops that are both here in Portland. When we left off last segment, we were talking about the economy and how it's affecting your business. And I was a little surprised to hear, it sounds like it's squeezing each of you because it's hard to find the kind of workers you're accustomed to. Are, are you finding more customers? Do people have more money to spend to get up to the slopes, to get up camping? Or maybe their time is booked because they all have jobs this season. Yeah, I think there are people who are coming in uh, and and spending their money where they where their passion is, and uh, I'm finding customers more open and engage and engaging and learning about a broader range of skis, maybe at a higher price point, at a higher quality of experience, and so I do see that in a very real sense. Uh, there is a little bit of pause because of the weather aspect that we were talking about before, because there is a direct relationship between you know, the amount of snow falling and the amount of skis going out the door. But uh, we also see good quality um, skis and equipment being sold. Ryan, what are you seeing and hearing from your customers this season? I think there's definitely an approach of value-oriented customers. Um, having a good, better, best product assortment seems to work well for us and, and just providing, you know, different levels of products and price points depending on the number of times they're going to be used. So I think I'll be first to admit that the person skiing 60 to 70 days a year will likely need different equipment than the person who's going up on New Year's Day. Right. And I think that uh, we're fortunate in Oregon and that we have really great rental opportunities. And even, you know, like Guy touched on earlier, when the perception of the weather is that it's frozen and icy, we are lucky enough to have this temperature inversion that often works against us. But when it works for us, uh, I was up there New Year's Day and it was spring conditions. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful, sunny, above the clouds. And, uh, I often forget, even the, the worst winter on record that I've been here for, which was, I believe, 2015, uh, I was quick to forget that there was lack of snow for months and months, but we actually had three weeks of temperature inversion with really great groomer skiing. The Nordic skiing was in, and uh, yeah, Guy touched on it. There's often a misconception about what's happening here in the Valley in Portland at sea level, 
and what's happening up at uh, six or 7,000 feet on Mount Hood. Is that a hard message to get out, or do the outdoor enthusiasts know that? Do they find that information themselves? They want it to work, or do they just read, say, my newspaper and say, oh, the weather's not so great. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to go. Yeah, um, I think there there is definitely the crowd that is actively looking at the forecast and actively in touch with the webcams on Timberline and Ski Bowl and Mount Hood Meadows websites, which are the best way to tell if it's good or not. You can just look and see, you know, the current conditions. So uh, there is definitely a disconnect between those that are in the frozen fog and those that have been up to the mountain. And, and we're always trying to spread the word that, you know, conditions are often better than what they seem down here. Got it. Tell me a little bit about your market. You each have shops. Uh, who is your competition? Are you competing with Meadows and, and what they're selling? Are you competing with the big box stores? I don't really see that we're competing directly with Meadows um, department. They they service people on the mountain very, very well, and they're able to do, you know, kind of that boot fit on the spot and demo skis there. You know, our work is to serve the core of the, you know, community here in Portland, and they're going everywhere to ski. Um, so they, they, but they choose to keep coming back to our shop, and they're kind of part of a, a legacy of, of that mountain shop family. So... I don't really see so much that kind of competition so far away. More in town, certainly. And I think one of the bigger themes that is going on in the United States specifically is that um, we're kind of over-retailed in square footage. You know, if we compare that to the European, you know, economy, for example, um, the amount of square footage is enormous here. And we're seeing big chains close down because we just have too much retail space. Yeah, are you referring to retail in general or the outdoor market? Both in retail in general and in the outdoor uh, arena specifically. We saw a sports authority close last year, and both of our businesses really, really gained a lot of rental customers and lease customers, I'm sure, in, in the past two years. So um, when you close down 50 or 60 stores across the country or 100, um, that really, really opens up a lot more people trying to find a new place to be served. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what are your observations? So who who do you compete with, and how competitive is the market locally? I think uh, Guy nailed it on that one. Our our biggest challenge, I think, has over the years been misinformation spread by big box retail, whether it's intentional or not. I think they're just we're getting into an era where people really value service and really value user experience. And both Mountain Shop and Next Adventure, I think, are kind of great leading examples of of those that are service oriented and filled with end users. I think everybody that works at either shop is really, really passionate about at least one activity, if not all of them that we represent. And I think, you know, something like 80-ish percent of of hard goods sales based on the last year's statistics, I think 80-something percent are still bought in specialty retail. And I do see service being a huge part of that. I think that you can't try a ski boot on online. And so no matter how much growth we see in our own web sales, we're still going to always need that service-oriented approach. I was going to ask you about the internet because so much of retail mm-hmm. is squeezed. So much of what we buy now is is a commodity. It's a roll of paper towels. It's a bag of rice. And it's, you know what it is. You know what you're getting, whether you buy it from Fred Meyer or Amazon. But with outdoor equipment, it's different. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think we see the internet being used in a number of different ways. Um, that in the general health of, of the economy here in Oregon, at least the outdoor recreation economy, is affected by it. We see a lowering of kind of the standard of price, for example, off of the manufactured actual price mm-hmm. is being undersold on the Internet. And that's that's pretty hard to compete with when, you know, large organizations that are doing Internet sales are selling 15 to 20 percent below 
what we can afford to sell for because they, they're buying in large, large, enormous volumes. Or sometimes they have an exclusive. So pick, pick your top 20 best items in the outdoor industry in either a large big box or an internet um, retailer will get them sometimes three to six weeks before our stores can get them. And mm. by the time we get them on the shelves, because we don't know this is going on, um, those products are already on sale at those places. So oh. it's, a, it's a period of time where we're actually losing margin. And that margin pays for our health insurance. It pays for our benefits. It pays, helps pay for our rent. And it keeps local jobs here in Oregon. So that concerns me. We had a, a segment a couple weeks ago with Music Millennium, and they talked about the efforts that they've made at their local store and the elements of the music industry have made to support local stores, musicians in particular with Record Store Day and, and things like that. Are there things that the big manufacturers are doing or could do to support local shops better? We're seeing some initiatives. We're part of a, a few buying groups and, mm -hmm. and um, there are some methods being used in the retail uh, winter sports industry or outdoor sports industry that are trying to link up smaller uh, retailers and collect, you know, groups of people to increase their buying power and be able to compete with some of the, the larger competitors. So we are seeing that happening and the vendors that do cater to specialty retail are seeing growth in our store. Uh, those that don't sell directly online to consumer or those that uh, will you know refer people to our store or mountain shop through their website. I do think that we are forever gonna be in a service oriented world in our outdoor sports. I think that people wanna try on backpacks, they wanna check out skis and snowshoes. And, uh, and no matter how much of that goes online, and we've seen a lot of growth in our online sales. I think last year in our winter hard goods, our online sales made up about 10% of our overall winter hard goods sales, whereas this year we're looking at something like 30%. So we're seeing massive growth in our website. I think that we are fortunate that we have a retail store to support the website and vice versa. We do have a lot of people that'll come in, try stuff on, get their fit, and then they may purchase online. Uh, we do also sell quite a bit to the East Coast or the Midwest. So there are certain items that just lend themselves to need to be tried on or purchased in store, talk to a professional. Mm -hmm. And there's others that are commodity goods that you could buy from anywhere. And hopefully we get a piece of that pie too. Excellent. There's a really interesting inverse of this equation as well. Um, because we are a small, very small local shop that um, has a commitment to our community here, we do carry local brands. And those local brands are kind of at the craft stage of industries, like Six Moon Designs, made here in Beaverton, for example. And, and tell me what they what they make. They make tents and, and um, lightweight uh, uh, backpacks for through hiking and that type of thing. And they're very, very popular on the Pacific Crest Trail, for example. And we have a lot of those shoppers coming into our shop. And the important thing that's going on there is that we kind of have an exclusive relationship with them to help support and develop that brand new brand coming into the marketplace. So 40 or 50 years ago, many of these brands didn't even exist. Like Black Diamond was a very, very tiny brand. And he was uh, both Yvonne Chouinard and Everett Dar, who was the owner of the mountain shop, were quite good friends. But... Everett Dar helped, you know, Black Diamond gets started. But now that they're so big and everywhere, we're not quite as important to them. But we are important to the small brands that are coming up um, and creating new businesses. So it's your challenge to sort of stay ahead and identify those and say, this is something, yeah. this is a good product. That's this exactly is something right. our, our customers will want. And there is exceptional products in that category as well. Excellent. Hey, let's take another quick break. 
and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about Oregon's local outdoor recreation industry. Thanks to acreative.agency, specializing in marketing, automation, and web development. For more, go to acreative.agency. Welcome back to Biz 503. We're here with Guy and Ryan from Mountain Shop and Next Adventure, talking about Oregon's outdoor recreation industry. When we left off, Guy, you were talking about working with some of the smaller manufacturers, some of the younger brands in Oregon. What sort of opportunities do you have working with them as far as connecting them with customers, connecting customers with them? This is really an area that I get quite excited about because our relationships are very close with these businesses, like Chilo Gear, which is made here in Portland. It's a really an elite backpack company that builds backpacks for the core of mountaineers, climbers, and, and ski mountaineers. And these are special packs that have evolved over the last decade together by our work with them. And the nice thing is when customers give us feedback, we can give it directly to the producer and designers, and they go and they make changes immediately. That's the symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that they're benefiting from what you're telling them they're getting closer to their customers yeah. and your customers are getting something closer to what they want. Exactly. And other really fun brands, you know, uh, for example, uh, Trail Butter, which is uh, a shop favorite. It's a peanut butter uh, blended almond butter mixes with different flavors. And this is taken off by wildfire. And they came in and, and I was working with their owner and I said, hey, you know, how about repackaging this, this canister and put it into a pouch? And I explained the pouch's uh, uh, concept and his sales have taken off and his company's growing really, really quickly. So it's quite exciting to see things like that. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned earlier that there's some things that customers just have to try out and see that they, they need that expert opinion. Are you finding that there's things that you can recommend them to that they might not have stumbled across if they were just surfing the web and asking, looking for a general category of a product? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, an easy one, just talking about similar to what Guy's talking about is these local manufacturers. It's pretty awesome. We have a local manufacturer that makes skis here in Northeast Portland called ON3P. And I think they're a leading example of, of reacting to what the industry wasn't quite doing well. And uh, I think that they look at what other people do and easily saw ways to improve it without reinventing the wheel. And so when we have a brand like that or a brand like Six Moons or ULA Packs or something mm-hmm. like that, People know about it, they are familiar with it, but they really want to talk to somebody who has firsthand experience. They're not going to be as prevalent in magazine reviews or in blog posts online at first. There's a little bit, you know, slower to react uh, and and become in the mainstream, but we're seeing a lot of success with that. That brand that we sell, ON3P, uh, they're multinational or worldwide distribution now, and they're a great example of Portland ingenuity and uh, similar to coffee, beer, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Oregonians look to do it a little bit better than they've seen it done in the past, and, and they do a really good job at that. Tell me a little bit more about them. What are they doing right? What, what did they spot that everyone else was missing? They made skis for skiers. They're uh, and similar to the companies that Guy's talking about, making ultralight backpacks for through hikers. They're taking input directly from users, not necessarily from the industry. And what the video trends are saying is going to be the new hot thing. They're looking forward and looking at problems that they've had. You know, a lot of them uh, are free skiers or big mountain skiers, and they've always had problems with durability. So they went out and they just started producing with more durable materials. And their mm-hmm. attention to detail, just like anything that's going to be built in Oregon, the best ones are going to be really well vetted. And uh, and they really do look at every small detail and 
try to make it the best that they possibly can. And the exciting thing about a company like P3 is that they're also building skis that perform exceptionally well in our conditions. Right. You know, totally. and, and I think that's the thing where when you have local artisans coming together and practitioners using these things, they know how they work in our conditions, you know, and what people like and our, our beer culture and our wine culture here in Oregon has flourished in that same manner. And, and so is the outdoor industry, which is going rapidly in Oregon. We're attracting more and more companies, outdoor companies to our state. And part of that outdoor recreation economy, I think, is unstoppable right now. You anticipated my next question, mm. which was going to be the state of the market. You know, obviously things are seasonal year to year is good or bad. But in general, you see the arc is pointed upward. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to approach that question from a spark of what I think is going on. It seems like there, you know, this ecosystem of design that has taken place in Oregon for so long with large companies like Nike and, and Columbia, for example, has attracted more and more brands here where designers are excited to be producing things and they're producing things in our location here. So it does have that Oregon flair and, fl and flavor to it that I think we all will appreciate. That has, I think, also rippled out into the community, both in positive and negative ways. Um, I think there's a, uh, sometimes an often a flood of overproduction uh, mm -hmm. of things that come into the market in, in very highly discounted ways that also produce a lower margin ceiling, making it harder for smaller businesses to kind of make things work. Well, and certainly we've seen that. You mentioned beer and wine. We've seen that in craft brewing, for mm -hmm. example, that maybe we've had too much of a good thing mm -hmm. lately. Ryan, you, you guys opened a, another shop this season, so you must see the market growing and, and expanding. Yeah, we do in a lot of ways. There's definitely avenues we see with the population growth in the Portland area that a lot of the people moving here of, of a demographic or luckily it's a really wide range of demographics that make up the outdoor participants. But we do see quite a few people coming here that whether or not they're going to buy the hottest new ski, they're still going to be going to the mountain. They're still going to rent. They're still going to want some value-oriented products that is kind of a necessity, commodity goods that they really can't participate without. And, uh, you know, looking at the overall numbers associated with the outdoor industry in Oregon, it, it does seem like there's a bit of an upward trend with some of the bigger manufacturers having their headquarters here. Right. I saw a statistic that said that the outdoor sports industry in Oregon is two to three times bigger than the wood products industry, which is staggering. When I saw that, I did not expect that. That's extraordinary. Of course, we have to keep in mind what's happened to the wood products industry. Right. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but definitely a paradigm shift where I think a lot of people look at Oregon as that's been the history. And, and looking forward, there's major companies, just like you see in Seattle, there's major companies that are choosing to have their headquarters be in Portland. I think with some of the outdoor industry, uh, there's no better place for R&D for these types of products than the Northwest. We get a little bit of everything. And our, we have discriminating tastes here. We have, I think, 70% of Oregonians that are active participants in outdoor sports. So I would certainly want those opinions if I were in Columbia or something like that. I would, I would want to know what Oregonians think before I take it elsewhere. Uh, let me ask you guys, we're, we're running short on time, but let me ask you quickly before we go, Ryan, you were talking about some of the larger companies here. In a seasonal business, one that is a little bit cyclical depending on the economy and the weather, how is it operating a small business? Do you, is it difficult to balance needs from one year to the next? I think one of the difficulties is really um, we, we run almost two different businesses. In the winter, our staff triples. And now I'm, uh, you know, I'm the general manager of 30 staff instead of you know, mm. 12 or 13 full-time staff members. And making sure that the, the staff and employees get cared for in a way um, year-round is a challenge. The summer market is much more um, backpacking, a little bit less gear-intensive in that same sort of expense category. So the numbers are quite different 
and that's a challenge to kind of keep that going. Ryan, you see the same things? Yeah, I think so. It's the nature of winter sports is a lot of hands-on and service-oriented. So I think that inevitably you're going to need more staff and you're going to be spending a lot more time per customer interaction, which we love. It's the reason we all do it. Uh, it just poses some challenges with how much you can get done in an eight or a nine hour day and how many people you can cater to and, you know, really how many or employees you can have fitting in a store at a given time. And maybe this is the time of year you'd just as soon not be spending long hours at the store and have an opportunity to enjoy the season yourself. Yeah, yeah. He and I were <laughs> offline joking about the inverse relationship between working in the ski industry and actually getting to ski, unfortunately. <laughs> right, and so. right when we need to, we kind of consider outdoor therapy, right? Yeah. So our best therapy is going out and skiing, and when it's snowing the hardest, is that's when our doctors should be saying, go ski instead of sell stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, that's all we have time for today. Ryan and Gee, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. That's Ryan Slagle. He's the winter sports manager at Next Adventure, and Gee Trombley, the general manager of Mountain Shop. They're both in Portland. Biz 503 is produced by Kobe Hutzler with Carl Lucky and Lynn Davis and edited by Daniel Lynn. Biz 503 is a production of Portland Radio Project. Big thanks to podcast coordinator Nastasha Voisin and station manager Rebecca Webb. I'm Mike Rogaway. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Music